Grace, mercy, and peace be unto you today from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Brothers and sisters in Christ, there's like 5,000 folks follow Jesus out into the middle of nowhere and want dinner. So he looks over to Philip and he says, where are we going to buy bread that all these people may eat? Philip thought, Crap, now what do we do? I guess I can relate. Philip knows not enough bread. Philip knows this isn't going to work. There is no plan. Just got to keep going somehow, I guess. But Jesus knew what he would do. He knew how he'd feed those people. But still, he did this in order to test Philip. But here's the thing. If he's God, he already knows what Philip's going to do too. He's God. Knows everything. Perk of being the divine. This was a test, but just... Not the kind we usually figure it is. God knows everything. So he doesn't got to test us to see whether or not we're sinners. He knows that we are. He doesn't got to test us to see what we'll do. He knows it's not great. But the thing is, he also doesn't reward us if we pass or punish us if we fail. Otherwise, all those people would have got hungry because, I mean, Philip screwed up. How are we going to feed all these people? He didn't know. Even though the answer was literally the guy asking him the question. God tested Philip. And Philip had no idea what was going to come next. But God didn't test Philip so that he could learn more about Philip. God tested Philip so that Philip could learn more about God. Jesus tested Philip. To remind him just whose church this really is. Which is important sometimes. Which he needs to do sometimes because the people tend to forget who's smarter. And we begin to wish we were back in the land of Egypt where we ate bread to the full. Even though there was that whole inconvenient slavery thing. And I guess that minor inconvenience of dying torturous deaths all the time while we built the pyramids. That was a bummer, but God, we knew what we were doing, at least. And we do the same. God, I can't program my washing machine the right way. But let me tell you how to run the universe. And let me tell you all the ways that you're wrong. It's probably good to be reminded whose church this is now and then. He does this in front of Philip because that big crowd of 5,000 folks about to eat dinner, they're going to abandon him by the time this night's over because of what he's going to teach them. Unless you eat of the flesh of the Son of Man, you have no life with me. And they can't stomach that, so they go home. And we kind of do the same. But this is a good night because our Lord does the very same thing that he has done ever since the beginning. He reminds us whose church it is. 
And he cares for his people, not because they knew the right answers, not because they lived up to the qualifications of the law, not because they passed some test, but because he actually loves them. And so when sinners complained against the Lord, he fed them with manna in the wilderness. And when sinners failed the test, he fed them with fish and bread in the middle of nowhere. And when sinners have no idea what comes next, he'll sit us down in green pastures and he'll feed us with his body and his blood. Same thing he's always done. Same thing he'll do going forward. Because this is his church all along. And it is much better that way. Philip has no idea what comes next. So we fall back on some pretty familiar words. Jesus has all the people sit down and then he took bread. And after giving thanks, he broke it and gave it to the disciples. And everyone was fed. That's what makes the feeding of the 5,000 so miraculous. It's not that Jesus fed a lot of people with bread. I mean, he made the bread. He made the universe that he can make more of it, I guess, shouldn't really be a huge curveball. What makes the feeding of the 5,000 something worth hanging on to, something worth cramming into all four Gospels when even Christmas doesn't make that cut, is that God shows us what kind of God he is. God tests us so that we would learn more about him. What makes the feeding of the 5,000 absolutely amazing is that despite the apostles' fear, despite the fact that we fail most of the tests sent our way, God still fed his people. Because it's not about us. It's not about what any of us deserve or can buy or even seems possible. This is about love. This is about our God. Look whose church this really is. See why that matters so much. This is God's church. He gathered you here because he loves you. Look, he did all this for you. Look, he came into this world not just to feed 5,000 people once and then duck, but to bleed and die for them, to save them from sin, death, and the power of the devil, to die for you, to save you from not only the stuff that you're afraid of, but the stuff you didn't even know was coming to save you from fear, to save you from sin, to save you from yourself, to save you from death. He has done all of this already. It's yours right now, and it is real. As surely as Christ was crucified and raised, all of those things belong to you. He has gathered you into this place and named it church and set it up against the very gates of hell so that you would always have a place to receive it. No matter what, that love will provide daily bread for you here and going forward, not because you have asked for it, not because you have earned it, not because you have deserved it or even figured anything out, but because he loves us, all of us. God will keep his church because it was never yours and it was never mine. Even when Philip saw nothing but hopelessness, Jesus knew what he would do, even if Philip didn't. He would take bread Give thanks and break it and feed his people. Philip needed to see whose job this really was. Because whenever we try and build these things on the backs of any human being, mine, yours, anyone else's, man, this is scary. I lived under that fear for years here because I was afraid that I would screw it up because I didn't think I could walk in the shadow of the man who was before me he's smarter than me still is and then I walked in fear for 
years because I was convinced I would still find a brand new and inventive way to screw it up and disappoint you. And then I walked in fear for probably three years, just terrified that I might not be able to do this thing until I was old enough to retire here. And then somewhere along the way, I started to realize that if this really was the best place to come on Sunday morning within 50 miles, and you know what it really is, it can endure even where I'm afraid. And it was like that before I got here. And it was like that every single Sunday that I got to share with you. And it'll be like that long after I leave. And it'll be like that because this is God's church and not mine. And I'm really glad. Because I would have found a way to screw it up. I'm very creative when it comes to that kind of thing. And y'all are interesting kind of sinners yourselves. But this is God's church. Where he gathers in sinners and he forgives them. And he feeds them. And the rest... The rest actually works out just fine. In fact, even better. Because here's the thing. Take stock of all the things you're afraid of right now and realize this is not your church. And while that does mean there's going to be curveballs along the way, it also means that this has never once been your problem. Never once. It was never Philip's job to feed those people. It was his job to see whose it was. This is God's church. This has never been your problem. Hang on to what our Lord would teach here. Hang on to the gifts that he gives you week in and week out. And the rest has and will and ever shall work out just fine. Our prayer is just that he would test us and point us to this once in a while, lest we let our fear get in the way when something new and unexpected comes along. Same now. When we look around and ask, crap, now what are we going to do? Look, our Lord still sits us down in green pastures. There's still a table set up right there in front of the very presence of our enemies. There's a cup on it that runneth over. Jesus takes bread, and after giving thanks, he breaks it. And he says, take, eat. This is my body, which is given for you. And so also he takes the cup, and he says, take, drink. This is my blood of the New Testament poured out for you for the forgiveness of sins. Let's do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. This is not just nice thoughts that we gather around. This is not just a local community that gathers here. This is not just a chance to remember how nice things used to be. This is a chance to eat and drink Jesus' very body and blood. This is a chance to participate in something bigger and right here and right now. This is where God works his church to save you, to save me, to join us together with something bigger than ourselves in all times, in all places, where all the saints would be fed and nourished by the same God who fed his people with manna in the wilderness, who fed 5,000 with bread and fish, who fed the disciples with body and blood and feeds you with the same. All of it, all of the mercy that our Lord would have to give is given right here. He has never once just portioned out just enough. It has always been in overwhelming heaps with baskets left over, and this has not changed. And I can't do this. God can work it through me. Before me, he did it through someone else. And after me, more of the same. Because the next guy that God calls here will come to the greatest church I've ever been in. This was never yours, though. He built it, not you. It was never Philip's job to feed the people. God keeps his church. So take a big breath and recognize just what we get to be a part of right here. Just how connected we are, even across time and space, right here. 
God reminds us whose church it is. And then he sits us down and he feeds us. So be at peace. Amen. Now may the peace of God which surpasses all understanding keep your hearts and your minds unto life everlasting. Amen.